Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of the Legends of Sports and Music. This is your host, the OG Rob Silver, and today we are talking about one of my top five favorite singers from the period of 1985 to 1995, and that is the man who was one of the few powerful soul voices of the 1980s. Ladies and gentlemen. If you grew up in the 1980s, I was born in 68, so the 1980s had me forming my formative years from the ages of 12 to 21. The 1980s were dominated with singers that had sultry voices, like Prince, like Michael Jackson, like Luther Vandross, like Elder Barge. The powerful voices were few and far between. Now, you had your Jeffrey Osborne's, your James Ingram's. But they were look, they were played more often than not on R&B, not, not R&B, on pop stations or adult urban contemporary stations. The R&B soul stations were playing predominantly Prince, Elder Barge, Luther Vandross, Michael Jackson. Nothing wrong, Lionel Richie, nothing wrong with that. Because these are legends and they were all phenomenal in their own right. But the man I'm talking about today came out and because his sound was so significantly more significantly more powerful than the aforementioned legends like Luther and Michael and Prince. That he exploded with that sound coupled with the incredible production and writing team of Jam and Lewis. And he set a standard that very few have touched or have come close to since. And today we are talking about the guy I'm just brought up. The legend himself, Alexander O'Neill. First time I heard Alexander O'Neill was the song I just played. If you were here tonight. It was, I believe, sometime, trying to remember, when was the first time I heard this song? Let me make sure that I get this correctly because uh, it was sometime in 1985. And I'm trying to remember, when when was the first time I heard uh, If You Were Here Tonight? 
I believe it was April or May of 1985 during my junior year in high school, either right before or right after my 17th birthday. And then I would see him in concert with Sherelle opening up for New Edition right after her. So it was before my 17th birthday because I saw a New Edition in concert May of 1985, the very first concert I ever, ever went to. And it's crazy that I'm talking about Alexander O'Neill today and him opening for New Edition because I'm recording this the night after seeing New Edition in concert for the ninth time in my lifetime. For the ninth time in 38 years. The very first time I saw New Edition was in 1985, right around my 17th birthday. And the opening act was Alexander O'Neill and Sherelle. And I'm going to tell you this right now, ladies and gentlemen. Alex stole the show. New Edition, this was their first major tour. So they were still getting their feet wet and getting their rhythm and getting their stage presence into a routine into a consistent routine, into a consistent presence on stage. And in nineteen in May of nineteen eighty five, New Edition, and we were all born the same year, New Edition. So Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike would have been seventeen years old. Or sixteen or seventeen, around that my age, because they were the they were born in sixty eight and sixty nine together. At this point in time, Alexander O'Neill was already 31 years old. And already, even though this was his debut album, If You Were Here Tonight was on his debut album, the self-titled Alexander O'Neill album. Despite the fact that uh, this was his debut album, Alexander O'Neill had already been through the rigors of a performing artist because in the mid-70s, after dropping out of Alcorn State University at the age of 21, I believe, so it would have been, he was born in 53, so it would have been 1974, 1975 when Alexander O'Neill dropped out of college. He was a college football player at Alcorn State University, uh, HBCU, a historically black college and university. He moved to Minneapolis, and he met Jam and Lewis shortly after moving, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And they were part of a group called Flight Time, Jam and Lewis's group. And then eventually, Flight Time merged into the time with Jelly Bean Johnson. And the writer and producer of the song I started the podcast with, if you were here tonight, Monty Muir. Before they were record an album, the time were managed and basically owned by Prince. Prince had set up, because Prince was the man in Minneapolis, even though at the time, Prince was still a very young man in his early 20s. Late 1979, early 1980, Prince began to have a stable of, of artists that he would manage and he would 
basically control their careers. We talk about Vanity, Denise Matthews. You had Vanity Six. You had the Revolution with, with Lisa and Wendy, and you had the Time. Now, Alexander O'Neill was the original lead singer of the Time, but he never got to record any music that was produced and recorded because of a falling out he had with Prince. Now, in Prince's autobiography, The Beautiful Ones, Prince claims he saw the time perform one night at the First Avenue Club in Minneapolis, the legendary First Avenue Club, and didn't like how Alex looked on stage. He thought Alex looked high. He thought Alex was under the influence of cocaine. Alex claims that one night he was having dinner, and I think Jam Lewis backed him up on this statement also, Prince was having dinner with Monty, Jelly Bean, Jam, Lewis, and Alexander, Alex. And Alex, speaking on his behalf and speaking for the group, even though the group didn't ask him to, according to Jam and Lewis, questioned the amount of money, the amount of money that the time was getting from the gigs they were playing around Minneapolis. Because Prince was in control of their career. He demanded that they get paid more money than what Prince was paying them. And at that point in time, according to Alex, Prince fired him and replaced Alex with Prince's childhood friend, Morris Day. And so there is how Morris Day and the time began. And the time went on to have several big hits in the 80s with Morris Day as the lead singer. After Alexander O'Neill was fired, it took him a while. It took him, man, he it took him three, four years before his solo career could be launched. What saved Alex and what helped ca uh, catapult him into a solo career was that two years after he was fired, in 1983, Jam and Lewis was, were fired because they missed the show due to a... Now, let me try to make sure I'm doing this off the top of my head, off my memory. Jam and Lewis were, were producing and writing SOS, the SOS Band's album. And on the way back to, to uh, go to a gig, to a uh, concert date... That the time had scheduled, Jam and Lewis's flight was delayed, and so they showed up late. Prince fired Jam and Lewis because he broke a crazy rule. Prince said, "Look, Prince is my man. Prince is on my Mount Rushmore of legendary artists, but Prince was a control freak. He didn't want any of his artists to write and produce for other artists. They had to." Either write for him or under his guidance. They couldn't have free will. Jam and Lewis had already discovered that they were musical geniuses. And so they struck a deal with the SOS band to write and produce for them unbeknownst to Prince. When Prince found out the reason they missed or that were late for that performance was because they were writing and recording for another group outside his circle, Prince fired Jam and Lewis. 
Jam and Lewis finished working with SOS Band, and they had great, uh, Just Be Good to Me, and I don't care about the other girls, just be good to me, and, uh, Oh man, that great uh, love song they did that Monica covered uh, years later. And then uh, they had immediate success with the SOS band with their album. But what catapulted them into the producers that everybody wanted to work with, including Janet Jackson, was their work with Alexander O'Neill on his debut album. Now... Later on in the podcast, you're going to hear a voice note from Tevin, my brother Tevin from Baltimore. And Tevin's going to mention how the chemistry Jam and Lewis had was, with Alexander Neal was only matched with the chemistry they had with Janet Jackson. That is correct. Alexander O'Neill's first three albums, the three albums we'll be covering on this podcast, show... The incredible chemistry that Jam Lewis had with Alexander Neal. Um, I want to add that they also had that same chemistry with New Edition, as you heard on the Heartbreak album that I broke down in its entirety on the New Edition Part 2 Tribute Podcast. Alexander O'Neal, debut album, self-titled. You're going to hear Simone talk about the great song What's Missing that Jam and Lewis wrote. And then I'm going to follow her voice note with What's Missing and then the song Innocent. What you hear from these songs is the influence of the Minneapolis sound that Prince created and the sound that the time, the, the group The Time with Morris Day, you hear that influence because Jam and Lewis was part of that group. And when you hear What's Missing and Innocent, you hear what could have been had it had it been Alex and not Morris that were that was the lead singer of the time. Anyway, I'm going to play Innocent and What's Missing. No, first I'm gonna play Simone's voice note, What's Missing, Innocent, and then we're going to talk all about it, and then I have some more thoughts about if you were here tonight after we hear Simone and the two songs um, following her voice note. Alexander O'Neill is one of my all-time favorite singers, probably because he's my mom's favorite behind Luther Vandross, of course, um, who's her, her number one. Uh, so I was thinking about what makes him uh, a favorite, like what makes him such a compelling uh, artist. And I think one of the qualities that draws uh, people to him is the fact that he sings about, you know, the modern aspects of love, right? The things that are unique to to love and relationships in the, the late 20th century, right? In the 80s and the 90s, right? So both partners are working jobs, you know, maybe there's children, you know, and he, in his songs, he talks a lot about making relationships work 
despite, you know, the pressures from society and it's it's from a man's point of view, right? And a lot of times we saw this when he was singing on songs with Sherelle, uh, who was a partner with him on many songs. And, you know, you saw you kind of saw that that back and forth uh, with them. Uh, that they're, they're one of the all time uh, great duos in R&B, right? Like uh, Marvin and Tammy, uh, Astrid and Simpson, Rick and Tina, right? You, you saw those roles play out uh, in a lot of their songs. Um, one of my favorite songs by him is If You Were Here Tonight. That's like a top 10 slow jam, quiet storm, uh, in my opinion. Um, but the song I feel uh, where he was, you know, addressing all of these issues in, in you know, love in modern society is what's missing. Um, and that's because he's singing about, um, you know, this love that kind of gets off track. And he's he's not saying that, you know, he's done with the relationship and he's going out to, to be with all these other people. He's saying, like, let's let's try to figure this out. Let's try to, you know, get this back together. Right. And he in the song, he says, let's do some a little soul searching. Right. To try to pull it together. And on the bridge of the song, it's almost like a rap. Right. When he's talking about the. Their love is like a maze and the corridors change every day. I love it because it's the cadence and flow is is like a rap, right? But it's it's a it's R and B song. And of course, you know that that's credited to the great uh Jam and Lewis uh songwriters who um they find a way to to inject a, a little humor into a lot of, you know, his songs and uh, Sherelle songs that they they wrote right because on the on that same bridge he's talking about swimming the ocean in a hurricane and flying from New York to LA and changing you know his ways and you know they, they just inject a little bit of, of humor into into the you know the serious nature of the song um, but I love the fact that his songs always have this this balance of strength and vulnerability, right? Especially this song. And it's coming from a man's point of view, which I feel like is not as present uh, in, you know, current day R&B, right? You don't hear that that balance of strength and the vulnerability, right? The the longing for the, the relationship, the need to, to love and be loved. And, you know, in this song, especially, there's a lot of, you know, he's pleading his case. He's saying, you know, he kind of softens his tone up a little bit um, towards the end. But, uh, you know, he's also making his claim. And I think for me, that's why Alexander O'Neill is, you know, one of my all time favorite singers.
before I comment on what Simone mentioned in terms of the song What's Missing, I wanted to talk about the song we led the podcast off with in If You Were Here Tonight. I mentioned that the first time I saw New Edition, Alexander O'Neill and Sherelle opened for them in May of 1985. Alex and Sherelle were tremendous. Sherelle was better than I expected because um I really didn't feel uh what was that song she Jamie Lowe's wrote for her? Didn't mean to turn you on. I didn't, I didn't like that song. When Robert Palmer came out a few years later with his cover, his version is much better in my opinion than Sherelle's version. But when Alex sang If You Were Here Tonight, man, I wish I had a date that night. I went to this concert by myself. All right, I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. Um the one woman out the one girl I wanted uh to, to go with was uh Michelle. She was dating a dude much older than her and she was remaining faithful. That would last another year, but uh, that's a story that I've told a few times on a, on this podcast, and I'm not going to repeat it. Anyway, you for those who are listening for the first time, go to my Sade Part 1 podcast, Queen Sade Part 1, and I talk all about Michelle in that podcast, and I'll leave it at that. Now, as far as this evening, Alexander O'Neill comes out. Now, I had just heard the song maybe a few weeks before Seeing new edition in concert I had Sherelle's song Didn't Mean to Turn You On was, was played over and over again on the radio Never felt it Never felt it But when Alex sang If You Were Here Tonight I'm in the 15th row And I was like, this a bad motherfucker. This dude is phenomenal. Can't you understand it? Girl, you. It's not the way I planned it. No, no. It's not the way I planned. If you could only know my feelings, you would know how much I do believe if you were here tonight. This song, If You Were Here Tonight, written by Monte Muir, former member of the time, and at this point in time, he's working closely with Jam and Lewis, helping, and Monte would help Pen a few great songs by Janet Jackson. People don't realize the influence that Jamin Lewis, Jelly B. Johnson, and Monte Muir had, all former members of the time, on Janet skyrocketing to stardom in 1986. This is a year before Janet's launch into superstardom. Alex entire success throughout throughout the majority of his career because after he stopped dealing with Jam and Lewis, Monty and Jellybean after his 1991 All True Man album, his career plummeted and it 
also had a lot to do with his on-again, off-again battle with cocaine abuse. But when you hear, if you were here tonight, and you hear the emotion and the passion that Alex is singing, this is a perfect slow jam for his type of style, for his powerful of vocal prowess. Monte wrote the perfect song for him, a song about a man who's at home longing for his woman to be with him. Can't you understand it? Girl, you know how much I care. It's not the way I planned it. No, if you could only know my feelings, you would know how much I do believe. And it's funny because at first I wanted to take my high school crush, Michelle, to this concert. And I knew she was going to say no, so I went ahead and bought my own ticket to go to this concert for my birthday. It was my birthday present to me. When I'm hearing the song, I'm thinking about her, and I was like, man, if she was with me, if she was here tonight, she would have so much fun, and she would see how much fun I can be and how romantic I can be. Can't you understand it? No. <laughs> when the lights go out, I cannot pretend this bed, this bed's too big for me to be in alone. All alone. The way he sings that. Slow burn, light a candle for our love. Amazing song with Alex's powerful tenor. Showcasing his want and desire for a woman that is not there. So I wanted to mention that early in the podcast. Got that off my chest. My all-time favorite, Alexander O'Neill. It's the first song I heard by him, and it will be, till the day I die, my favorite song by him. Now, on to what's missing. Simone broke that song down perfectly about a man singing to his woman about what's missing in a relationship. There's nothing I could add to that. I've been there. I've been there with my uh, last ex-girlfriend. I've been there with Several other uh, women I dealt with What's missing in our relationship Simone broke it down perfectly I am not going to add to it The only thing I'm going to add Is Listen at the middle of the song The way Alex Sings these, these lyrics Sounds like somebody A few years later A white singer named Rick Astley Stole that cadence Cause we used to have good love, but now it's gone. Cause we used to have good love, but now it's gone. So let's try to find where you, when you hear that, let's miss now. When you hear that, the way he prayed, go back and listen to the song. And then go listen to Rick Astley music. I'm trying to remember the one huge song he came out with in 1988 that was played all over. The radio, all over the radio. Uh, never going to give you, never going to give you up, never going to make you bow forever. You hear Rick Astley, and in my opinion, he totally ripped off Alexander O'Neill's style from What's Missing. And Rick Astley sold a lot of records in 1988, 1989, 1990. Probably has a lot more money and has was had a even though his career was brief at the top, 
had a more successful mainstream career than Alexander O'Neill. Vocally, he's not a pimple on Alexander O'Neill's ass. As far as the song Innocent goes. Now, what you hear in What's Missing is the same thing you hear in Innocent with the instrumentals and the beat. It is very, very similar to the style of the time. And you know what? It's the Minneapolis sound. It's the, it's the sound that John, Jam and Lewis and Monty and Jelly Bean used when they were working with Morris Day and Jerome on the time. When Morris, when you heard the song, 777, uh, 40, uh, what was it, 77740, I forgot, 3911, baby, what's your phone number? Or Jungle Love, when you hear Jungle Love, right, or The Bird. You hear all those songs? Similar beat to what you hear Alex sing in What's Missing and Innocent. Innocent girl, you're so innocent. That Minneapolis sound, the same sound that Jam and Lewis helped form the time with, Flight Time First and the Time with, what you heard Morris Day killing it with, a lot of the same instrumentals you heard on Prince's early work, you hear in Alexander O'Neill's first album. Now, they will get away from this sound because eventually Jam and Lewis would refine their style and it would become more of a new Jack Swing style, more of a contemporary R&B and soul style later on, but this is the beginning of them as uh, songwriters and producers. And so you're going to use the instruments that you're comfortable with, the sound that you're comfortable with. And that's what you hear in What's Missing. And that's what you hear in You're So Innocent. And when you hear What's Missing and, and Innocent, you can tell that Alex would have been a phenomenal lead singer for the time. Now, Alex didn't have the charisma that Morris Day had. Morris Day had charisma that you can't buy. But Alex, as I saw that night, May of 1985, was a tremendous performer on stage, was a better singer than Morris Day. And while the time might have not been bigger or as big with Alex as the lead singer, they would have been able to pour out hits just like Morris Day did because Alex, as you can see from these songs, his, vo his voice fit perfectly with the Minneapolis sound. But Prince firing Jam Lewis and Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, and Alexander O'Neill two years apart benefited everybody because the time would have not as gotten as big if Alex was their lead singer. Morris Day, because of his look and his charisma, good-looking dude, high yellow, very charismatic, very funny, especially uh, he stole the movie uh, Purple Rain. He was, he was the scene stealer of that movie. The time became as big as they, be they, they got because of Morris Day's charm and charisma and the back and forth between him and Jerome. Alexander O'Neill would have never been that huge star as a soul artist had he been stuck with the time because he, the time 
rarely, if ever, sung any ballads, which was Alexander O'Neill's strong point because of that amazing voice of his, his vocal prowess. Jammin' Lewis would have been stuck in the time and would have never gotten the opportunity to write for Janet Jackson, to write for Alexander O'Neill, to write for New Edition, to write for the SOS band and become one of the top three greatest singer-songwriters, I mean, uh, songwriting producing teams of all time. Okay, next up, we're going to play A Broken Heart Can Mend, and I'm going to talk all about this song on the other side.
Jam and Lewis would go on to write some great heartache music throughout their entire career. Um, just incredible, incredible heartache music. Jam and Lewis, when they first started out, of course, that Minneapolis sound, more upbeat tempo songs. Broken Heart Can Men showed that they could write just like if, well, If You Were Here Tonight was written by Mont Monty Muir. A Broken Heart Can Men showed that Jam and Lewis could write music other than up-tempo, Minneapolis sound music. They could write traditional soul music, traditional heartache music. Even though this does have a little up-tempo beat, it's still a sad ballad. It's still a heartache song. And Alex brings out a man's fear of getting his heart broken. And it hits home with me. Because whenever I've gotten my heart broken or I've been in a failed relationship, I tend to not take chances with women I date after the fact and close close my heart. Don't open myself to further heartache. Don't take any chances. Uh, my newest girlfriend is the first time that I was in a relationship right away where I let my guard down from the get-go. Probably because I saw... Uh, I saw so much in her, Mia, my my, my newest lady. Uh, November, December, January, November, December, January. When oh we we now next week we will be dating five months. We will have been dating steadily for five months. I met her five and a half months ago. The chemistry from the very beginning when I first met Mia helped ease. Any reservations I had about her At first I was just like You know I'm going to enjoy this beautiful young woman I'm going to enjoy my time with her If anything happens, happens But things got serious quick Because of the situation she was in with her ex-husband What he did to her And then Me having that hero complex that I have Rushing to a rescue And then Things have jumped off since then have they, And it's been beautiful so far Last night Took her to see New Edition It was the first time she had ever seen New Edition in concert And she thoroughly enjoyed it She she couldn't stop She couldn't stop talking about it I mean just before I started doing this podcast today She was like Oh man I can't wait till we go to our next concert Yeah it was. I love concerts and we are going to have a blast. And she used to be a singer when she was in her 20s. She's 37 now. So we love music. Uh, we love children. I adore her five-year-old daughter. She helped mend my broken heart. And, and anybody who knows, yesterday was the first anniversary of my son's death at the two, two, two young age of 29. I almost lost my mother last fall. When I met Mia, my mother was in the midst of a seven-week hospitalization in which she was fighting for her life. I had broken up with my ex of eight-plus years in August of last year. 
So when I met Mia, and Mia had just gotten through a horrible divorce with a very possessive ex-husband. We met each other at the at the right time, and I was in the right place at the right time. Thank you, God. She helped mend my broken heart. So this song, A Broken Heart Can Mend, she mended my broken heart. She continues to mend. Um, I, can't, I don't have a broken heart anymore. Um, when Vonette and I broke up back in um, August... Even though my heart was shattered, I knew it was time to move on. The same, the same issues we had the first time we broke up in 2016 were ever so prevalent in 2022. So it was time to move on for both of us. We called you with each other. Uh, she'll call me from time to time, ask my advice on stuff, help her with her resume, help her with her son, and you know her son will be 21. In 11 days from when I When I um While I'm recording this in 11 days Her son will be 21 And he still I will still be there for him For whatever he needs Give him whatever advice If he gets into any type of trouble That young man knows that he can still count on me I'm not going to cut him off And I haven't cut him off Because of what happened between him and my mother I mean him and his mother Not me and my mother Him and his mother And I have helped I have helped his mother on a few occasions since we broke up and I will continue to be there. It's lo- sort of like and I'll probably revisit this when I do the Patty LaBelle po- uh po- trivia podcast. Sort of like uh we got divorced even though oh and we weren't even married. <laughs> so Alex Performed this song the night I saw him and Sherelle open up for New Edition. And I sat back then. I'm like, this dude is going to be a star. And I just heard him on the radio for the first time. I can't wait to tell my mother about this guy. And that's the perfect segue to my brother, Michael Angel from Chattanooga's voice note. Because he's going to talk about the greatness of Alexander O'Neill. He's going to talk about Saturday Love. I'm going to play Saturday Love, and then I'm going to talk about the first time my mother and I heard Saturday Love on the radio on the other side. Alexander O'Neill is one of those uh, unsung legends of R&B because uh, he kind of emerged during a time when uh, R&B was making a transition. Of course, we went from... Uh, funk and disco era to a more ballad centric 80s mid 80s you know until kind of like the uh new jack swing era came about uh but what i and if you think about alexander o'neill of course the first song that to me that comes to mind is um saturday love with sherelle or never knew love like this but uh he had quite a few hits. Uh, very successful in the mid to late eighties. Uh, he ended up crossing paths with Prince and Jam and Lewis, who would kind of guide his career uh, throughout his first, you know, three to four albums. 
And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that kind of gets lost in the shuffle because uh, that was during the, you know, Jeffrey Osborne, Luther Vandross, later on Freddie Jackson uh, during that era. Of course, uh, Alexander O'Neill had, you know, some great ballads. He, he became a staple of um, the Quiet Storm era as well. But uh, I mean, what what Saturday Love with Sherelle? I mean, that's one of the that's one of the greatest songs. Period. I mean, that song hits today. It'll hit thirty years from now. It is a timeless, timeless song, and their connection and their chemistry was something uh, that I would have liked to seen a lot more of. Uh, and then you know they uh, collaborated with. On Never Knew Love Like This, another great jam. It seemed like Sherelle brought out the best. They brought out the best in each other. I'll say that. They brought out the best in each other. But even his ballads, uh, you know, it's 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 easy listening type ballads. You know, if you were here tonight, uh, he was he was an underrated star.
Michael Angel brought up the chemistry between Sherelle and Alexander O'Neill. And I saw it that night firsthand. The only time in my lifetime because it's funny. In 2003, I went to see New Edition. And Alex and Sherelle were supposed to open. But Alex was going through one of his many battles with cocaine abuse. And he didn't show up that night. And Sherelle came out and she apologized for Alex. Didn't bring up the, the why he missed the show. She apologized for Alex. And she did her own hits. But was it the same? Alex and Sherelle together, like Mike alluded to, had chemistry on the same level as Ashford and Simpson, Marvin and Tammy, Rick and Tina, and a shout out to Simone early in her... Earlier in the podcast, her voice notes she made the same point. Alex and Sherelle had that type of chemistry. And then later on, of course, Avant and Kiki Wyatt, where a duo, and to a lesser extent, KC and JoJo, they only had a couple, I mean, KC and JoJo, KC and Mary J. Blige, they only did two songs together. But you heard from. I don't want to do anything else that the passion there, they would have been phenomenal together had they done a whole duet album. I always wanted Alex and Sherelle to do a duet album like Marvin and Tammy did. I wish Rick and Tina would have done a duet album. They never did. They had several songs together, and you can actually make a compilation of Rick and Tina songs onto one album, but they never did an entire album, Rick, James, and Tina Marie. Same with Avant and Kiki Wyatt. They have four huge hits together as a duet partnership, but never an entire album. And I still hope one day Kiki and Avant will do that. Alex and Sherelle would have been a spectacular, spectacular duo on a duets album if Jam and Lewis wrote and produced every single song assisted by Monty and Jellybean. I played Saturday Love, which Mike talked the greatness about it, and I followed it up with Everything I Miss at Home. First, let me talk about Saturday Love. It was March or April of 1986. Um, this was during the time when my father was uh, battling with his, with his alcohol addiction. So he was sent to sleep in the living room. My mother would not allow him to sleep in the same bed as her, sleep in their bedroom, because every night he was coming home dead drunk from work. So he was banished to the living room. So on a Saturday morning, I was in my mother's bedroom, my parents' bedroom, but my father had been barred from that bedroom. Um, 
This was a couple of months before my 18th birthday, my senior year in high school. And Saturday mornings, my mother and I would watch Soul Train. It was a tradition for years of me and my parents to watch Soul Train together. But this was during one of those times when um, my father was not allowed to hang out in my mother's bedroom. I told this story before, and I'm going to quickly uh, reiterate it. It was during this time period where one night my father came home dead drunk and he saw my mother. We were all asleep. My mother told me about this the following morning. Um, it was a Friday night. My father came home dead drunk and my mother was walking around. We were all asleep in a tight shirt and short shorts. And my father lost his fucking mind. And he was like, oh, Elsa, come here. It's been a long time since we got together. Come here. And my mother's like, leave me alone. And my father was dead drunk and horny as a motherfucker. And so my mother ran into a bedroom and she put the bureau up against the door. Well, my father was drunk and horny. And he broke through the door. And he's like, mommy, mommy, come on, mommy. I miss you. I love you. Right, and he had taken his drawers off, and his dick was rock hard. So what did my mother do? She kicked him straight in his dick, and he flew back. And he got up. She said, "Okay, okay mommy, maybe another time." And he walked over to his the couch and went straight to sleep. <laughs> Anyway, that was during this time period. Anyway, so one Saturday morning, my mother and I were watching Soul Train. After Soul Train was over, that always meant it was time for us to start cleaning the apartment. And so we always started with her bedroom. And so she put on Kiss FM, 98.7 Kiss FM. Anybody from New York knows we had two legendary soul stations in the 1980s up until 1994. When corporate radio took over New York City and destroyed R&B and soul music. Period. End of story. I'll talk more about that on later podcasts. But let me talk about the first time my mother and I, and I had heard Saturday Love on the radio. So we're cleaning and Saturday Love comes on, comes on. And you hear Sherelle going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And my mother's like. That's that woman again who sang that bullshit song. Um, uh, I mentioned it earlier, the one that Robert Palmer covered. Uh, didn't mean to turn you on. <sighs> Robert changed the station. I was like, no, nah, Bob, let's hear the rest of it. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I had never heard the song before, okay? Because I never bought, even though I saw Sherelle in concert, I never bought the album. And they didn't play, they didn't sing the song doing the concert. So I said, Mom, let's let's hold tight. Let's listen to the rest of the song. Then out of nowhere, you hear Alex. When I think about you, the feelings can't explain. And my mother's eyes lit up like saucers. And she was like, who's that? I said, Mom, that's Alexander O'Neill. That's the dude I saw open for New Edition last year when I went to their concert for my birthday. 
My feelings can't explain why after all this time my heart still feels pain. When I think of you, memories of love. Oh, and from that moment on, that song became one of my mother's favorite songs because of Alex. And when she listened to the lyrics, she said that that song related to her because Saturdays were the one night. Now, at this point in time, 1986, my parents are both 38 years old. And because of my father's proclivity to drink and stuff, uh, uh, things like that, when he was in his right mind, they had a night. Saturday night was their night where they would get frisky and um, they make sure that we didn't bother them, me and my three siblings, when my father's mind was right. Saturday was their night. And this is during the time when I found out that couples with children would have one night to themselves for frolicking, for uh, relations. <laughs> And so Saturday used to be their night and the song Saturday Love hit the nail on the head with their relationship. When I think about you, my feelings can't explain why after all this time my heart still feels pain. When I look at you, I mean, Alex totally bodies this song. And he turns this song from a lukewarm song, song sung by Sherelle to a powerful duet all on his back. This man was amazing. My mother's all-time favorite, Alexander O'Neill song, one of her five to ten favorite songs of all time. That song was basically the theme of her and my father's sex life, Saturday Love. <laughs> Never on Mondays, Tuesdays too soon. Never on Sunday, Mondays too soon. Tuesdays and Wednesdays just won't do. But on Saturday we'll make. Ah, uh, that was just all, oh, man. That you hear when when Sherelle and Alex go. Never on Sundays, Monday too soon. Tuesday and Wednesday just won't do. That's my parents' love life. That's my parents' love life to a T when they were together until the day he died in 2000. Saturday was their night. Man, I mean, man, I mean, I just love talking about music that relates to not only me, but my family, especially my parents. Everything I Miss at Home, another duet with Sherelle and Alexander O'Neill, another duet that was on a Sherelle album. What I love about this song, it reminds me of always the song that I covered last week on the Johnny Gill podcast uh, tribute in which Sherelle's cousin, Pebbles, sings about her unconditional love always. And Sherelle is singing the hook, baby, don't leave me, don't ever desert. And then out of nowhere, towards the end of the song, Johnny Gill Pops up and for 15 to 20 seconds, he tears it up. I talked all about it on the Johnny Gill podcast. If you haven't heard it, go to it. I break it down. 
Everything I Miss at Home, very similar to that song. And this song came out a couple years before that song was recorded. Another masterpiece, both these songs, Saturday Love and Everything I Miss, Miss at Home, masterfully written and produced by Jam and Lewis. They are now showing you that they can do the traditional R&B ballad. Everything I Miss at Home is a woman who's married and is in a relationship where there's no love. She loves this man. She even says, yes, I do love someone, but I can't be, but I can't pretend to be the happy one. Then you take it for granted. I was lonely, but you were there for me. Now, once again, the 1980s was the biggest period for music, for infidelity music. I've talked about this before. Uh, on the podcast And this was one of the great Infidelity songs of the 1980s You hear this song And you hear Sherelle singing And she sounds sad And it's a beautiful song just by her But then all of a sudden Towards the end of the song Girl I understand your needs You hear Alexander Then he goes Home is where the heart is baby <laughs> And I'm at her home. He just tears that up. He's just phenomenal. Alex, like Johnny would do a couple years later with Always, song that Sherelle and Pebbles are on, comes in at the end and turns this song into his own, even though... He might be on the song for 30 to 40 seconds at the most. Like Mike said, like Simone said, Alex and Sherelle had unparalleled chemistry. And unlike Rick and Tina, who were in a relationship, KC and Mary, who were in a relationship, Marvin and Tammy weren't in a relationship, but Marvin was in love with Tammy Terrell. Marvin was never the same after Tammy Terrell collapsed in his arms on stage. I talked all about that on the Marvin Gaye Tribute Podcast Part 1. I'll be doing another one on Marvin in, a, in about a month or two. Alex and Sherelle never were in a serious relationship. They were friends. They were more like brother and sister. Yet, their voices, their chemistry was unparalleled. was on the same Level as Marvin and Tammy, as the married great couple of Ashford and Simpson, like Rick and Tina. Phenomenal duets, and man, bringing back memories. You're bringing me everything I miss at home. Alex brought the best out of Sherelle, and Sherelle brought the most passionate out of. Passionate fire out of Alex on wax, as you heard in Saturday Love and Everything I Miss at Home. Alex comes out swinging and bodies both songs. Okay, let me see who's up next. Let me see whose voice note is up next. Hold on, fellas, ladies, fellas. 
Next up is James, my brother James from Detroit. He's going to talk about the greatness of Never Knew Love Like This. I'm going to play Never Knew Love Like This and The Lovers back to back. And we're going to talk all about it. We continue with the Alex and Sherelle duo, the chemistry. It's becoming a theme on this song. And we will continue that theme after we hear James and Never Knew Love Like This and The Lovers. All right. So what do you get when you got the stage presence of a Mississippi Delta Blues man? The coolness of an uptown jazz musician. And the swagger of one of the best <laughs> R&B soul singers of the time, right? You get Alexander O'Neill, and I'm super excited that we're going to be actually talking about him a little bit today. Yo, shout out to the listeners of the Legends of, Legends of Sports and Music podcast. It's your boy James from Detroit. And a big shout out to the big homie, Rob Silver, the god Rob Silver, because he always gives us this opportunity to discuss music in an intimate fashion. So let's jump into it. Alexander O'Neill has always been one of those individuals that I feel as though get overlooked um, as far as great male R&B soul singers, period. He gets overlooked. You hear about the Princes. You hear about the Vandrosses. You hear about the Rick Jameses. You hear about all the people. You know, you, you got your um, Teddy Pendergrass. You know, we know the guys. We've discussed them here, and I love them all. But one person that does not get mentioned in a lot of those conversations is Alexander O'Neill. And for the life of me, I can't understand why, because his discography and his catalog of music is some of the greatest R&B soul music, in my opinion, that has been made. Uh, the production is there. The lyrics is there. The performance is there. The swagginess is there. The feeling is there. The impact is there. The tonality is there. It's all there. So why is it overlooked? Well, let me shed a little light on one of my um, favorite albums from him. And it's his album, Hearsay, that was released in 87, I think. And it's kind of funny because I actually got this album on vinyl. So it's around here somewhere, right? And it was one that I found that was on probably by a family member, Clean Out Attic. You know, I'm kind of that guy to collect vinyls. And. It almost looks as though it's a blues album, just by the look, the feel, and how the album is designed. But man, when you drop the needle on the wax, you have no idea that it's some of the greatest R&B, upbeat, happy, loving, soulful, soul records that you actually have, you know? And my favorite track on there is Never Knew Love Like This. And Never Knew Love Like This is one of the one of my most favorite duets. And I am a sucker for duets between men and women. Yes, we know about Feel the Fires, the Fire Desires. You know all the ones that we talked about here on this great podcast. But let's throw some flowers to Never Knew Love Like This, okay? And Sherelle is another individual that has just tremendous stage presence and voice impact and tonality along with Alexander O'Neill with his swagginess, his voice's impact there. And then you got the immaculate legendary production between Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, both on the production music on the instrumentation and also the arrangement and the composing of lyrics. I mean, it's just a recipe for a hit. That's the bottom line. 
See, this song has Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis's stamp on it because it lends itself to their signature style of having the lyrics as a melody, okay? So the song itself has got this very straightforward melody during a chorus that go do, 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 do. And that's really how the, the chorus of song, when it says, never knew love like this, like it's got a very rhythmic approach to it, but it's buried within between the um, the several bars of the song that hits you kind of I'm nerd out a little bit. It hits you kind of on a subconscious level as far as the top level of you listen to the lyrics. And I think that's what makes their music in particular as producers so very captivating, you know, the lyrics even from the start is arranged very melodically and almost like it's playing an instrument you know alexander neil opens up with you are my favorite lady like that sound like a piano riff even though it's words being sung but then when you combine it with a duet and you have this kind of a uh, call and answer approach you know, the lyrics go, you are my favorite lady. And then Sherelle comes and said, and you're my favorite man. Yes, you are. Like, it's such an amazing mix that gives the listener the space to understand the conversation between the two individuals, but also enjoy the music itself. If you've heard me say this before, right? The groove is in the space. And that's what this song is. And when you mix it all up, when you combine it all together, I mean, you get a legendary duet. And it's not talked about, which is wild to me, because this song right here, I, I mean, it. I when you said Alexander O'Neill, uh, Rob, I knew instantly where I was going with this, because this is just a gem that's just not looked at and not understand. And maybe it's just not appreciated for what it is. You know, Mr. Alexander O'Neill has this coolness about him that I could imagine back in the day that if he was singing, you know, the ladies was all over him and the man probably wanted to sing like him. I mean, that's how cool it is. And the love and the passion that he's showing on the track. And then you got the beautiful Sherelle coming back you know, repeating those same things back. You just got this magical duet of love, but it's not just crooning over each other. It's singing in a very cool, very like R&B soul, but that rhythmic cool, like got my shades on, we're walking, talking like that type of deal. Not we're just both sweating and screaming in each other's faces. Although I like that stuff in some duets. But I got to appreciate the difference in approach here on this track. So I can go into a lot with this song here, breaking down the lyrics, but I'm going to leave that to you. And I'm going to leave that for the listeners to explore when they hear this actual song itself. So that's it for me. Never knew love like this. Mr. Alexander O'Neill, unsung hero of male R&B singers, late 80s, early 90s, and he's still putting out content today. Um, I mean, damn, dude, what a career. What a career and what a performance that he did on the album, Hearsay. With Sherelle as a featured guest on the tracks there, 
I mean, there's no way that you can lose. Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis on the lyrics and the production. Come on, man. It's a recipe for success. So appreciate you, Rob. Appreciate all the listeners. Thank you guys for entertaining me one, t- one more time again. Love you all. Talk to you guys next time. Peace. I've been kissed, I've been missed, never knew love like this.
me. Oh, baby, you didn't spill wine on a forty dollar shirt. You ought to move out the way. I said what? You heard me. You don't know me. Hey, I'll go get my friend Alex, and he'll throw all you out. All right. You low life. No, man, that's my shirt up, man. Maybe if she took out them color contacts, she could see where she was going. Somebody need to talk about it. Why you been comedian? Once again, I want to thank James from the D. James! With another incredible breakdown of not only an artist like the legend Alexander O'Neill, but how he broke down the way Jammin' Lewis wrote produced the song, Never Knew Love Like This, and how Alex used his voice as an incredible instrument. The beginning was like a piano riff. That's on the fucking money. Music theory is calling you, James. So after you make your next four or five million dollars, you need to go ahead and start a school of music theory. Because you are a master of music theory. James brought up the question, why wasn't Alexander O'Neill on the same level star power wise like a Luther Vandross? Vocally, he's on the same level. Now, I'm not going to argue with anybody who says Luther's a greater singer than Alex. You know, Luther is that man. Go If you haven't listened to my Luther Vandross podcast, it is the single most list- listenership on this platform. Luther's a beast. I broke down that man's career phenomenally on my tribute podcast, which got very emotional. If you guys haven't listened to it, Before you listen to it, make sure you buy a box of Kleenex. Alexander O'Neill deserved to be lauded like a Luther Vandross. Deserved to be on that legendary level as Luther Vandross. The reason he didn't, James, and listeners listen out there is because Alexander O'Neill had a Daryl Strawberry-like career. I've always stated that Alexander O'Neill was the Daryl Strawberry of R&B soul music. Why do I say this? I make the comparison. Daryl Strawberry, as a New York Met from 1983 to 1990, set the Mets record for most home runs and RBIs in the history of the franchise. And he did it in eight seasons, averaging over 30 home runs and 90 RBIs per season. He had an incredible start. Just like Alexander O'Neill from 1985 to 1991 had three classic albums. The self-titled Alexander O'Neill in 1985, 1987's Hearsay, and 1991's All True Men. All three classic albums, all three predominantly written and produced by the legendary songwriting producing team of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. But like Daryl Strawberry did in the end of the 1990 season, a year later, Alexander O'Neill, after All True Men came out, decided to go another direction with his career. He stopped 
working with Jam and Lewis and started writing his own music. Daryl Strawberry, after the 1990 season ended, decided to go back home to Los Angeles and sign a free agent deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Strawberry, like Alexander O'Neill's career, plummeted from that point on. Now, in 1991, Strawberry, even though he missed the first month of the season, had an MVP-like season for the Dodgers. But then that was it for the rest of his tenure with the Dodgers, and he began once again battling with drug abuse, cocaine, and crack. Alexander O'Neill, after leaving Jam and Lewis, had an album in 1993 that flopped. Had several albums after that that flopped. He began writing his own music while battling with cocaine and crack. Both men's careers plummeted. Now, Darryl later on had some brief glory with the Yankees, helping them win a couple of World Series in the late 90s while being a great designated hitter as a lefty-righty platoon with Chili Davis. He showed signs of his former brilliance as a Met. But drug abuse curtailed that, and by 2000, he was out of the league as he was suspended a third and final time and banned from ever playing Major League Baseball again. Alexander O'Neill showed brief glimpses of his greatness. Um, in the late 90s, he did a duet with Sherelle, a remake of uh, Baby Come Home to Me, the James Ingram and, and Patty Austin um, classic. Alex and Sherelle did a great job covering that song, but that was it. He never again came close other than that song to... Reliving his glory days as he battled with drug abuse. But the one thing Alex could do and still does to this day is make money touring in England. He's a god in England. But Alexander O'Neill, when you hear him sing, go check out his YouTube footage. The man is shot vocally. His voice is all but gone. He redid, he remastered the entire First album, his debut album, Alexander O'Neill. And when you hear the his version of his remastered version of If You If You Were Here Tonight, it's horrible. He sounds like a broken down ex boxer who can no longer fight. From nineteen eighty five to nineteen ninety one, Alexander O'Neill was a top tier soul artist. On the same level during that time period as a Luther Vandross. But longevity was not his... I mean, he was still making music, but he wasn't making that Alexander O'Neill quality music that he made with Jam and Lewis due to him breaking away from Jam and Lewis, due to his constant struggle with addiction. Never knew love like this is an incredible duet and right up there with Saturday Love, James broke it down. I want to talk about the song that I played right after Never Knew Love Like This. And that is The Lovers. The Lovers win every time. Great up-tempo love song. And you have Sherelle again singing back up with the great Lisa Keefe. Now you may ask, 
Rob, who's Lisa Keith? Lisa Keith, another Minneapolis singer who Jammin' Lewis used a lot backup vocals for both Janet and Alexander O'Neill and Grover Washington used as the lead singer for a song that's more famous for Janet Jackson singing the hook in the chorus. Making love in the rain. Da, 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 da. That's Janet singing the hook in the chorus. It's Lisa Keith singing the lead vocals. She bodied that song and she bodied the backup vocals with Sherelle on the lovers win every time. Oh, man, great song. Back-to-back great songs featuring Alexander O'Neill and Sherelle. Like James said, like Mike said, like Simone said, the chemistry between Alex and Sherelle was unparalleled. And like I said before, it's a shame these two didn't do a duet album, especially after both Sherelle and Alexander O'Neill stopped working with Jam and Lewis after 1991. I would have loved some somewhere between 91 and 2000 for Jam and Lewis to reunite with Sherelle and Alexander O'Neill. And they would have done a masterful job of a duet album. And it would have resurrected Sherelle and Alexander O'Neill's dying career. Both their careers went up in flame and up in flames, which is sad because both were incredible talents. And both fed off each other brilliantly. All right, let me see what's up next on the pod. We got Kalanji talking about the greatness of Alexander Neal, the greatness of the song Sunshine. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to play Sunshine and Crying Overtime Back to back after Kalanji speaks, and I'll discuss why on the other side. I had to leave a note about Alexander O'Neill. The funny thing is, I was driving my son to kindergarten the other day, and I always play him music in the morning. And this particular morning, I was playing Jaheem's Put That Woman First. And he's like, oh, dad, play that again. I love that song. Play that again. So I like play it three times on the way to school. And it made me laugh because I remember being five years old, having my father drive me home from school and Saturday Love comes on. And I'm like, dad, play that again. He's like, I can't play it. It's on the radio. It's on the radio. So I remember he went and bought the Shirelle CD, brought it home. And it was like, here, that song you like is on the city. I'm like, the seat, the guy I like is a man. Why do you have this woman CD? He was like, no, it's her song. So I was all confused being five years old, but he played the song for me. And I played that album just off the strength that he was on it. Not knowing he had his own career and his own albums and his own stuff till a little later. I rank... Alexander O'Neill for me in the 80s, second or third behind Freddie Jackson, Luther Vandross, one of the greatest singers I've ever heard. Um, my actual favorite song of his is uh, Sunshine. That's my joint. I play that still to this day. 
It's in rotation. Um, it's funny. I played my son Saturday Love, and he likes it even more than I do. And he's the barometer now for if a song's a classic. Because he doesn't give me that dad play it again often. So anytime he says play that song again, I already know it's fire. So I always test him. I play these old joints, and maybe every fifth or sixth one, he'll say, yo, dad, play that again. So it's just funny to me how, like, it just time goes around like that and flips. So um, I just want to leave that little note about how my son made me reminisce about (laughs) Alexander O'Neill when I was a kid. Um, Peace.
is over. Wait, this is Alexander O'Neill's house. When I say leave, you got to go. No, wait a minute, baby. I want to thank Kalanji again for another great contribution to the podcast with his very thoughtful and great analysis of Alexander O'Neill, especially the song Sunshine. Another masterpiece of a love song, masterpiece of a ballad written and produced by Jam and Lewis. And the reason I played Crying Overtime right after Sunshine is because on the album Hearsay, Jam and Lewis combined these two songs. Now, they're two different songs, but the bridge at the end of one song, Sunshine, leads into the other. This is a masterful job. Production-wise, done by Jam and Lewis, because it captures the high, the very high of a love affair, down to the destruction and ending of a love affair. At the end of Sunshine, Alexander O'Neill says, "Sometimes sunshine turns to rain," and then immediately it goes into crying overtime. Sunshine is a beautiful ballad about a man's undying love for the woman that brought sunshine into his life. A man that may a man who is adoring and paying tribute to the woman that brought sunshine into his life. Cloudy was the day when sunshine Came into my life and made it brighter. She touched me with a smile that glows. I can't go a day without my sunshine. My sunshine. My sunshine. And Alex brings out this love of this newfound love of a woman who 
This is sort of like a sequel to A Broken Heart Can Men. A Broken Heart Can Men. Also written by Jamie Lewis from Alexander O'Neill's debut album, Alexander O'Neill. I often talk about continuums in music and, and how we could have sequels to songs by the same artist written by the same songwriter. I mention, And sometimes the same songwriter writes a continuum with two or three different artists. Last week on the Johnny Gill podcast, I mentioned how Babyface wrote a trilogy of songs with three different artists. A trilogy of an affair, the building of an affair, the, the, the dating stage. In the mood that he wrote for the Whispers. Followed by Rock With You, where they're more central. They're still dating. Rock and roll and roll and rock that he wrote for Bobby Brown. Culminating in the marriage and then the sensuality. N- Continuing to grow and at its apex in my, my, my. Come in, our, come in our bedroom. Put on your high heels. And in the mood, come over to my place. Let's take a shower. Rock with you. I want to rock with you, baby, all night long. Rock and roll and roll and rock. Make, and then... My, 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 step into our bedroom. Put on that sweet perfume. It sure looks good on you. Three different songs, but a a story being told from point A to B to C by three different singers. The Whispers, Bobby Brown, Babyface. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis have their own trilogy. From the first Alexander O'Neill debut album, A Broken Heart Can Men, A Broken. Alexander is singing a song masterly written by Jamie Lewis about a man trying to mend his broken heart. Sunshine, it starts off with cloudy was the day when sunshine came into my life. He's still mending that broken heart. The young woman is come and he she is Alexander's sunshine. I can't go a day without my sunshine. I'm... Now, I relate it back to my life. Okay? A broken heart can mend. My last relationship that ended last August. I had a broken heart. My sunshine was Mia when I met her in October and we continue. I can't, to this day, where I can't get enough of that sunshine. Her, she mended my broken heart. A broken heart can mend. She also has the ability to make me cry overtime. Crying overtime on the Hearsay album. Is connected to sunshine. Like I mentioned. Sunshine is the bridge. Sometimes. You have a cloud. You know, what, 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 let me see the exact words. Because I mentioned it earlier. The bridge was. 
I can't believe I always. Oh, here we go. Here, here we go. You know, sometimes sunshine turns to rain, and then immediately we we uh go right into the next song, crying over time, and. Alex is singing another masterpiece of a song written by Jam and Lewis. This is the third part of the trilogy, the final trilogy. He went from his heart needing to be mended to being mended by this woman who brings sunshine into his life. And now that sunshine has turned to rain. It's another sleepless night without you, girl. Things didn't turn out right. Time to move on Every night the tears fall from my eyes To wash away the loneliness Long after your tears have dried I'll be crying over time Alex sings with all the heart and soul of a man Whose heart has been crushed Life just seems so cold With a lonely heart But it's so hard To let go of the love I feel for you Oh man Every night the tears fall From my eyes Wash away the loneliness Long after Your tears have dried I'll be crying over time He went from his broken heart needing to be mended A broken heart can mend To cloudy was the day When my sunshine walked in To sometimes sunshine can turn to rain Washing away the tears from his eyes Long after your tears have dried I'll be crying over time. Let's all pray that Mia doesn't make me cry over time. <laughs> Masterful job by Jam and Lewis. Brought their, 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 their lyrics brought to light by Alexander O'Neill masterfully. And man, the Hearsay album. The second of three consecutive classic albums. I believe the next song I am going to talk about is Criticize. Yes, it is. I've got to I've got a lot to say about this song. We're gonna talk about we're gonna play Criticize and then I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna talk about women being critical of me throughout my life on the other side.
the best song that the great Alexander O'Neill ever wrote and produced masterfully by Jam Lewis and Jelly Bean Johnson. So once again, you hear a song with a heavy Minneapolis sound slash the time sound influence, heavily influenced. This easily could have been a Morris Day in the Time record back in the early to mid 80s. Alex must have been going through something with his lady during this time to write these lyrics. Can't you find something else to talk about? Is this song the only one you sing? Makes you look better when you put things down? Value your opinion? Don't criticize my friends. Criticize my ideals. Don't criticize my lifestyle. I'm fed up. Cause all you want to do is criticize Criticize And Lisa keeps singing beautifully in the background With her vocals With her backup, back, backup vocals 
Let me count the number of women that criticized me while I was with them. There was my first real girlfriend while I was attending Loyola in New Orleans. Dana was always criticizing me. Criticizing the way I spoke. Oh, why do you speak so rough, Rob? Rob, why do you speak so rough? Criticize the way I dressed. She wanted me to dress a certain way. Uh, why you dress so much like a New Yorker? We're in New Orleans now. Dana, like I told her back then, I'm a New Yorker. I'm from New York. I'm not going to try and dress like you cats down here in New Orleans. That's your style. I got my style. I want to wear my Tims. And I want to wear my baseball caps and starter jackets. I don't give a damn that y'all don't dress like that. This was years before BET hip-hop videos on BET, Rap City, and so forth influenced everybody to dress the same way. Back in the 80s and 90s, each region had their own style of dress. I wasn't going to copy New Orleans type of dress. Because I had my own New York style. My South Bronx style. Oh my God, she was a nag. Oh, it felt so good after we broke up. Even though she slapped the shit out of me, it was worth it. <laughs> she criticized me all the time. Tracy, the first true love of my life. We had a long distance communication writing letters and, and talking on the phone but after a while she began to criticize me then years after she got married she continued to criticize me up until the point where we stopped talking about communicating five years ago Antoinette criticized me all the time I don't understand why she was fucking criticizing me all the time criticized the way I would raise my son criticized me for all types of shit she barely graduated from college I got two college degrees but she was criticizing me criticizing me despite the fact that I treated her the way she deserved to be treated but she criticized me of of, of how I was dealing with her, yet the dude before me that she dated, the dude after me that she dated, were pieces of shit. Fuck out of here with your criticism. That's why you ended up lonely and bitter like you are today. I gotta give Asia credit. She rarely criticized me. She rarely. The only time she got upset was when her husband was released from prison and she brought she agreed to let him live with her and I ended our communication. She was like, "Why? Why? I'm not going to be dating a woman who's living with her husband again." No. No. I'm not giving you everything you miss at home. Go ahead and get what you're missing from him. I'm not going there. Vonette Oh my God, Vonette, when she criticized me, the two times we broke up, the criticism was, oh my God, it was ongoing, it was aggravating, it was nonstop. 
Oh my God. Especially the, the final time we broke up last summer. She was criticizing me for shit I had nothing to do with. She took a sabbatical from her job. Uh, a 90 day sabbatical. She forgot to fail to file paperwork to extend it. And so when the 90 days was over. She called me on the 90th day. Talk about can I fax a letter from a psychiatrist. Saying that she needed to continue her leave. It was last minute. She woke me up at 7.30 in the morning. Now I don't have to go to work till 2 o'clock. But I need my sleep. So I got out of bed. I made up a letter. She was like, no. I called the psychiatrist. Psychiatrist was that, that could uh, vouch for her that she had seen for a session. It was either a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I forgot. Anyway, this was last April. April of last year, almost a year to the day. I called his office. His assistant said he would not be in the office today, but that... uh. She could forward whatever information from the reports that he had dealing with her to the hospital that she was working at, Lenox Hill Hospital, Manhattan. All right. I took care of that. So I called. I said, all right. They're going to do that. Oh, no, you got to stay on top of them. I said, I called. She said she's going to send the reports. A month later, she was informed by mail. By mail. That she was terminated because she did not comply with coming back after the 90 days. She blamed it on me. It's your job. That's your job in a lie. Why are you relying on me to save your job and you tell me at the last minute? She criticized my career. She criticized my choices in how I wanted to continue my professional career for years I got a I got a bachelor's of criminology and a master's in public administration and for 11 years I was an administrator at a foster care agency it was draining when the agency closed in 2004 I vowed never to be back in that type of environment so I switched career goals and I became a services service oriented manager into management. And then I went into courier services from 2004 to 2000, no, from 2005 to 2018 for 13 years, I ran Citigroup's courier services down in Lower Manhattan and through their three or four other branches throughout the city. And then the company that took over the, the as the vendors for Citigroup hired me to run it the last, let me make sure I get this right, last eight years I worked for this company. Citigroup, they, uh, what you call it, Outsourced their they outsourced their uh, courier services to another company, and they put me in charge. And that company also had the contracts for Random House, 
J.P. Morgan, uh, Rag and Bone, Kate Spade. So they put me in charge of all these couriers, bikers, messages, messenger centers, mail rooms. I was in charge of over 50 people. And yes, I was making great money, but I was on call 24 hours a day. I'd get a call at 3 o'clock in the morning from a client saying they needed a delivery to Connecticut from Midtown Manhattan. It got out of hand. Yes, the money was great. It was the most money I ever made. But I began losing my hair. I wasn't getting any sleep. By the time I left them five years ago, January 2018, Vonette and I was already... We had already broken up. We got back together. We started dating again in February. This was already a month after I left the job. And she was like, why are you working? I said, well, I'm not working. I quit that job. I had saved a nice nest egg where I could live comfortably for a year before getting under the job. I had to clear my head. Mentally, I was drained. So she was okay with that. I went. When I did go back to work in June of 2018, I was offered a position to run a storage company, a storage facility, a mom and pop storage company. And for two years, I ran that company. But in 2020, during the height of the pandemic, one of my warehouse workers came down with COVID. I went to management and said we should have mandatory testing. And they refused. They said, no, all we need is a temperature check. So right then and there, I quit my job ASAP. She was highly critical. Vonette was highly critical of this. For the rest of the summer, I was living off my savings, but I became very frugal. I told her we couldn't go out as much because I had to save. It's the height of, it's the, height of the pandemic. I've got to make sure that the next job I get is... Not going to cost me my life, get me sick. One day she wanted to go to City Island. Ladies and gentlemen, City Island costs money. City Island in the Bronx, for those New Yorkers who know City Island, those, those seafood restaurants are expensive. I told her, uh, unless you paid for it, I'm not going. Oh, she got pissed. And so I just hung up the phone on her. I'm not going to argue with her. She was very being very critical. Finally, September 2018, I got another job, this time, with a company whose main, whose main contract, whose main clients are Amazon. And I've been with that company now two and a half years. This is where I met Mia through because Mia is a manager of a Whole Foods store that I oversee the couriers. Before we found, Vonda and I finally broke up in August, she was complaining about my career choice, about why I was doing this. Oh, that's not what you went to school for. Vonda, I got a master's in public administration, which guides you in management. I'm in management. What the fuck are you talking about? She's like, oh, no, you should become a hospital administrator. Go back into child care services or education. I don't want to deal with that stress. With courier services, managing a courier company, there is some stress, but nowhere near stress with dealing with child care, dealing with foster care, dealing with education, 
dealing with children, and I love children, but I've had enough heartache and heartbreak watching these kids get fucked through the system where instead in courier services I can make the same amount of money for the least amount of stress. And it's not the same as when I was in charge of all the couriers at Random House City Group, J.P. Morgan, Rag and Bone, Kate Spade, etc. Instead of being in charge of over 50 people, I'm in charge of around 30 people. And I'm not on call 24 hours because when the stores, the Whole Foods stores close at 10 o'clock, I have nothing to worry about until the next day when I come at 2 o'clock because between 5 and 2 p.m., the assistant manager is running the show. And I come, and then the only time they have to contact me is if there's some type of disciplinary action that has to be dealt with one of the employees. Come in at 2 o'clock. I run things till 10 o'clock. I go home. Nothing to worry about until the following day. No getting phone calls at 2 o'clock in the morning. But she was like, oh, no, you, you shouldn't do this. You need to do this. And she was telling me how I should uh, lead my life professionally. Oh, and how I should uh, how I should move out of Harlem because it's uh, it's it's dangerous. I should move in with her out in Long Island. No. Who the criticism. So, criticize. I love this song because this song hits home with all the damn women that have criticized me over the years. God bless Mia. She doesn't criticize me. She supports me. With praise, not criticism. I'm tired of the fucking criticism I've gotten from women my entire life. Take your criticisms and shove it up your fucking asses. All right. The next voice note. Let me see who's in there. I think the next voice note. The next voice note is from Tevin, I believe. Let me make sure I'm right. I don't want to get this wrong. No, it's from Mike from Delaware, now living in the Carolinas. We'll hear from Mike, then we're going to play All True Man, and we'll talk about it on the other side. I think Alexander O'Neill had one of the most powerful voices I ever heard growing up. Unfortunately, I can never tell that man's story without acknowledging how substance abuse kind of destroyed what should have been a career worthy of a lot more praise. But my favorite song by him was always All True Man because it was him showcasing through the ups and downs, he still had those vocals. 
I think he's somebody who could have been up there with the likes of Luther Vandross or even a Marvin Gaye or Curtis Mayfield if we're speaking the most recognizable voices of R&B. But he did make his mark.
it up, baby, yeah. Sometimes you need it, sometimes you want it, sometimes you got to have it all night. Give it up, give it up, give it up, baby, yeah. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you give it. Girl, what I give for you to be mine. It makes me feel this way. It takes control of everything I do and say. What is this thing called is it the moon? What's the meaning of? What is this thing Looking high, low, high, high. Your love. Searching for the answer to this thing called love. Something that we need so much. Can hurt and tease, but these are broken Mike, big Mike from um, originally from Delaware, now uh, living in the Carolinas. Alexander O'Neill, one of his all-time favorite singers, and Mike, so is he. He's mine too. He's one of my all-time favorite singers. Alexander O'Neill, like I mentioned earlier, the Daryl Strawberry of soul music. The man's career skyrocketed, and then due to mismanagement, mismanaging his whole career. And substance abuse fell as quickly as he rose. This would be his final great album, All True Man. And Mike talked about the title song from that album, All True Man. And I played right after All True Man, I also played What Is This Thing Called Love? Once again, two up tempo. 
love songs masterfully written and produced by Jamin Lewis, masterfully sung by the great Alexander O'Neill. You once again, you hear the Minneapolis sound, but instead of a heavy influence of how the time use their music uh, sounding like the time, this sounded more like the Jammin' Lewis, Janet Jackson produced and written music. You have sort of like a pleasure principle control vibe in what is this thing called love? And you, I'm an all, you need an all true man. All True Man and What Is This Thing Called Love are just master songs, master masterpieces, period. Masterful, masterfully written, masterfully sung, masterpieces of songs. When you need a friend, someone you can lean on, who will understand, understand your problems. And then Alex, when you need a lover, oh, Someone who will satisfy. Don't you call no other. No, no. Just call me anytime. I'll be there to fulfill your every. If you want a man strong but sensitive. Anything you'll need. I'll be willing. Oh, man. When you need to cry. I'll be there to dry your eyes. This is game right here. Alexander O'Neill is preaching game written by two of the biggest playboys in music history, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Alexander O'Neill is bringing their lyrics to the limelight and killing it. You need an all true man. And fellas, I don't give out relationship advice. You know what? What works for you works for you. All right. What works for me is being attentive to the woman that you care for, the woman that you're interested, the woman that you're courting. Got to be attentive. You can't take them for granted, period. Don't give a fuck what these relationship uh, shows and and websites and podcasts talk about or uh, fellas talking about, oh, I'm not taking you out on a $200 thing. Man, fuck off and shut up. Get the fuck out of here. You want game? Listen to an Alexander O'Neill song written by Jamin Lewis. Because the secret to being complete in your love life, if you're an all-true woman, you need an all-true man. Fellas, if you're looking just to fuck, you do what you want to do. But if you're looking for a relationship, if you're looking for someone to complete you, got to find a true woman, but you got to be a true man. That's it. It's simple as that. I live in New York City. Single black men outnumber single black women something like seven to one. If you live in New York and you can't find a woman, and I see a lot of fellow New Yorkers on social media tweeting about how they can't find a woman because you're not looking. Motherfucker, like my father once told me, go to the laundromats, go to the libraries, go to the museums. Heck, there's a hip-hop museum that just opened in the Bronx. Go there! 
if you love hip-hop music, you might find a hip-hop head just like you. Let's stop the bullshit. Last night, I went to see a new edition of concert. I saw a lot of women going together. So you know what? Buy yourself a ticket next time it's a concert where it's Maxwell or new edition. Buy yourself a solo ticket. You're definitely going to sit in an area where there's a lot of women. Start talking to these women. You like New Edition, they like New Edition. You like Maxwell, they like Maxwell. You already have something in common. Stop bitching and moaning and stop waiting for somebody to knock on your door. Right? There are plenty of single women out there, single black women out there looking for a good man. And if you're a true man, you'll find yourself a true woman. Stop complaining. Stop bitching and moaning. Stop being a bitch. Because a woman is not going to want to date a man that's a bitch. And fuck these relationship shows. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Bunch of bitter motherfuckers giving you false information. Fuck out of here. All right. Now, the next song we're going to talk about is What Is This Thing Called Love, which I played right after All True Man. Another up-tempo classic written by Jam and Lewis in which you hear the Minneapolis sound updated Sounding more like what they wrote for Janet Jackson in the way that control and pleasure principle and what have you done for me lately. What is this thing called love is a lot like what have you done for me lately Instrument, instrumental wise. I feel a physical attraction when I'm close to you. Let's be more than just friend. I think it's time to take action. Can't get you off my mind. Oh, it's this love I fell in. What is this thing called love that makes me feel this way? It takes control of everything I do and say. What is this thing called love? Is it a mood? This is the mood I'm in today. What is this thing called love? What is this thing called love? Baby, you know you're the one who inspires my love. Look. Right now, I am going through this new thing called love. What is this thing called love? It takes control of of everything I do and say. What is this thing called love? Is it a mood? What is the meaning of what is this thing called love? It feels so good to be romantic with you, special woman. New love and... Young love, and I'm not talking about age, I'm talking about a love that is young in terms of the amount of time you have spent dating the woman, courting the woman, etc. I'm going to, you know, the, the, the fever, the fever that you get when you are addicted to the person you want to see every day, talk to on the phone. Text to on the phone Looking forward to that good morning text Those who follow me on social media Know that I love to Share my good morning text With my uh, timeline Many ask Why do I do that I've got no shame If I tell you The pain I've gone through in the last year With my mother almost dying The breakup of my long term relationship And my son passing then I'm going to share with you 
the beautiful moments of my life, the blossoming romance I have with my beautiful Mia. I'm going to give you the good and I'm going to give you the bad. I'm going to be consistent. Many people only share with you the positives, don't share with you the negatives. Some even only share the negatives without showing the positives. I'm going to share both. Because that's how I am. Right? Consistent. Alexander O'Neill as a singer was consistent. He was as great singing about love songs that talk about unconditional and undying love as he was singing about getting his heart broken. A broken heart came in, crying overtime. What is this thing called love? Just like all true men are up-tempo love songs that are magnificent because... Not only do they have master songwriters like Jam and Lewis writing the music, but a master storyteller in the way he sings the song in Alexander O'Neill. And Alexander O'Neill was the soundtrack of not only my late teenage to early 20s, because I first discovered Alexander O'Neill when I was 17 years old in 1985. Saw him open for New Edition right after I heard him on the radio for the first time. If you were here tonight, up until 1991, that All True Man album was really expressing what I was going through at the time. I was 23. Well, I am 54, soon to be 55. In seven weeks, I will be 55. And Alexander O'Neill's music still resonates in my life today. Because all true man, I'm trying to prove to Mia that I'm an all true man. She's an all true woman. And we belong together. And what is this thing called love? I'm experiencing that with her. A blossoming romance. A broken heart can mend. Many times my heart has been broken throughout my life. Right? Sunshine. Cloudy was the day when sunshine walked into my life. Mia. Will she eventually make me cry over time? God, I hope not. Because look, if she breaks my heart, <laughs> I'm putting that shit up on the shelf. We are going to end the podcast with the great Baltimore brother, Tevin, talking about the greatness of Alexander O'Neill, the greatness of the morning after. We're going to play his voice. No, we're going to have him introduce the morning after. We're going to play the morning after, and we're going to play sentimental. I want to say a few words about both songs before I hand it over to Tevin to introduce the morning after, and then we will play morning after and sentimental. The Morning After, another classic song written by Jam and Lewis. It's a beautiful ballad in which Alex speaks about making love to his woman for the first time and, and talking about the morning after. The glory of the morning after you make love to the woman you love for the very first time. And ladies and gentlemen, there is no greater feeling in a new romance for me the morning I wake up next to that woman that I've made love to for the first time. It is a special feeling. <laughs> 
And it makes you feel like you're on top of the world. Sentimental, the last song we'll play before the podcast signs off, is a song about reminiscing of a childhood love. Reminiscing with your childhood love. You get sentimental when you think about her. The, all these songs always bring back great memories. The morning after, I've got a recent great memory, but sentimental always takes me back to the 1980s. A broken heart commend takes me back to all the times my heart got broken. Sunshine takes me back recent again, a recent great memory when uh, Mia was the sunshine that came into my life. I don't ever want to cry over time again, but I have cried over time in the past. Especially over Vonette. If you were here tonight. Longing for a love. That's happened to me on a few occasions. Alexander's O'Neill's music. Has been the soundtrack. To my life since I was 17 years old. Till. Right now. Seven weeks shy of my 55th birthday. Alexander O'Neill. Never. Again. After the. All True Men album. Reached the heights. Of. What his greatness could provide us That being said He left his mark on soul music During, er, during an era Where soul music was at his apex Late 80's Up until 1991 He is without a doubt A Very worthy subject Of this series The Legends of Sports and Music Ladies and gentlemen Next week we've got a treat I will be looking at the entire classic 1987 album, what I consider Prince's Magnus Opus, as we continue with the Minneapolis sound for the second second week in a row. We'll be looking at the sign of the times. We'll be taking a deep dive into the music behind this incredible double CD, double album, double LP, double cassette, whatever you want to call it. It was Classic music at his best Prince at his finest In my opinion The single greatest album he ever made And one of the five greatest albums In the history of music Until next week We're going to hear Tevin And then Morning After Sentimental But before I give it to Tevin I want to thank everybody for listening And for everyone Out there listening to continue to be blessed and be a blessing. I put Alexander O'Neill in that same class of 80s R&B male singers that included the likes of Freddie Jackson, Luther Vandross, and James Ingram. Coming out of that class of excellent talent out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, he definitely stuck out as a premier vocalist. I still today wonder how he would have sounded as lead singer of the time instead of Morris Day. The production Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis gave him always seemed to fit him like a glove. To me, they had the best chemistry with him, only second to Janet Jackson. Those albums and songs they crafted were truly a joy to hear. The self-titled album, Through All True Man, is a serious run. I even enjoyed his Christmas album with the gem, My Gift to You. With songs like Sunshine, Never Knew Love Like This, 
If you were here tonight and the timeless jam Saturday Love, there's no shortage of classic songs by him. My favorite song of his is the Quiet Storm Ballad, The Morning After, a sensual baby-making jam especially made for lovers. His career may have been cut short by the changing of music and other outside stuff, but true music fans appreciate and love what Alex brought to the table. Thank you.
Oh, oh.